the Shop of Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave in the shed. Rupert with me is Chris in the office square. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? Darn hey. right. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, another show for the for y'all all out there. Um, we have a couple of questions from people that have written in and a couple of ideas for us to, to talk about. Don't forget, everybody, you can always send us a question or a topic right from shoptalkshow.com. And we maybe have some corrections from Jen Simmons, so we have to go through. But uh, anyway, we'll get through it here on this episode here. Chris, uh, before we get into it, uh, this week I got the worst haircut of my whole entire life, yeah. dude. I was wondering, you shared it in our Discord first, and I was like, oh, that is just just hilarious looking. Yeah, it, it, it looks uh, like you, you had to have asked for it, but clearly you didn't. No, 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 sir. I got, I, so for audio listeners, it looks like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. I mean, it's just a, a bowl cut across the top, but what is not surfaced in the picture was the kind of like bear pelt proto mullet in the back, which was just this <laughs> like thick pelt and it like kind of flipped out. It looked like, I don't know, like a, like a, like a British pop star from the nineties, like the wet hair British pop star Oasis blur that vibe, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, it it was horrifying. I went in and I, I, so I, here's, I think as an, as an adult, you need to have somebody who uh, can cut your hair or whatever. Like that's just a adulting thing. Right. Or like, uh, you know, if you're making the decision to shave your head, like you just know how to do it or you know, have somebody who does it for you that's really good, right? Like, yep. that's us. Awesome. Uh, I feel like it's a, and I had that, and her name's Kelsey. She's really good, but she's like booked out. She's like oh gotten so good. She's booked out. And so if I miss her, you know, the two days I can book a month, I'm out, right? Yeah. Uh, but I have a business trip coming up. So I was just like, dude, I got, I'm going to go somewhere. I got to go. So I went to Floyd's 99 barbershop, which is kind of cool. It's like heavy metal supercuts, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, supercuts, but edgy. Right. Uh, oh man. And they did me bad, man. Do you think somebody won a bet doing that to you? Maybe. Yeah. Is it like worst haircut possible? You win $500. I don't know. That's had to be the thing because, they they she, they cut my hair. I, you know, I am, I'm asking. You know, how long you been cutting hair? You know, they're like yeah. ten years. You know, ten so years. I was like, oh well, we gotta be good. And I was like, well, so I think I want like a normal, you know, fade up the top. You know, a little little more on top. You know, and and they said, okay, so like an inch and a half all around. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> like like a uniform length all the way around. Um and they just cut the, it looks so bad. And I said, well, can you like taper it on the sides, you know, like, like a fade or, you know, and they go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they cut more hair, but it was not good, man. And you're like, gotta go. I I literally like left and paid and I'm surprised they took my money. Uh, That is like ridiculous that they even took my money. Like I have hair on my face. Like it's just all over. Hair's falling out of my hair. I went yeah. to Chipotle with this dumb fucking haircut. I'm oh, surprised they served you're me. You're in the bathroom splashing oh, water just, on your face, dude. It was so <laughs> bad. Um, and I'm just like, oh man, I just it was so bad. I had to 
get a sec. My wife was like, I was like, I'm going to shave my head. Yeah. That's the solution. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course I text my wife and I was like, yo, check this out. Uh, <laughs> and she forwards it to like her friends, like from high school. She's just like, get it. This is my stupid husband. Anyway. Uh, we're celebrating 15 years today. It's wonderful. Um, anyway, uh, today, today, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. But anyway, um, but they, they, uh, so she sends it to like her friend. Uh, she, I'm like, I'm just shaving my head. I'm like, this is tactical reset. Like we're going back to 20 years old. You know, mm-hmm. I did that all through my twenties. That's, that's the plan. You know, how is it to walk into a haircut place and be like, I just got this today. And I need you to fix it. Did that? Did you? Did you lay the stakes that high for the? This you did. Yeah, yeah. I went to the next place, and it's it's because I'd be sweating. That's a bold thing to have to give. I to was an, just like, this is a salvage job. So I mean, you uh, it, pressure's off too. Like you literally can't do worse than this haircut. <laughs> so like, so. But went to like this, like, you know, haircuts for men and there's like a fireplace and like a whiskey bar and they give you a whiskey, you know. Did like, you, what, like, what, so was, was it a little pricier the second one? A little one? Did pricier, you, probably. Yeah, but you went but up actually and, like the first haircut was like half off or whatever. So it was like cheaper than the haircut that like started this whole thing. Oh. But I spent about $100 in haircuts. Uh, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's like more than I've spent. I spend in a year, to be honest. Like I'm usually like two, three haircuts a year for thirty bucks or whatever. But anyway, uh, we are You're back. You're I'm back. Ba- it's a lot shorter, though. I'll tell you that it's a lot shorter. It's it's good. If you put some goop in it, it salvages it. You know. Okay. But um, uh, but man, it, anyway, not to everybody doesn't. If, you, if anybody's waiting for the web development analogy here, I don't there. I don't think there is one. This is just a haircut story. Yeah, people were uh, uh, triple threat. Josh was trying to get me to uh, do a, a web development analogy, and I think it's maybe un—I uh, don't know. There's like a maintenance analogy here that even people who say they know what they are doing absolutely don't. <laughs> maybe that's the mm. maintenance analogy I really am right. chasing. It could be so, fake it till you don't make it. Yeah. Like not everyone is qualified to maintain, and maybe that's it. Maybe maintenance is a skill. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. You know, like, yeah. uh, you know, the the person who styles your hair may, might not be the person who uh, gives you the trim. You know, the the maintains and maintains the hair. So there you go. Might be different people. So that's that's what I learned. So yeah. Speaking of speaking of Josh, he made that Josh's game is Hondo, isn't it? One of the many games I think he's made. Yeah, isn't that right? Yeah, he he's got a bunch of games. Yeah, it's so good. I remember downloading it ages ago and looking at it and be like, oh, so it was because it was kind of like off the Wordle craze. Everybody had their own little Wordle adaption. Not everybody, but there was a there was a, some of them. And I think Hondo's in that classification of it's Wordle like because it's five mm-hmm. letters, you know. But I've been playing it recently, and it's just so well done. So I don't even know if Josh is a triple threat. I think a game d- d- development is is maybe a qu- he's a quadruple threat. We'll say. Yeah, possibly quad threat. It's, um, <laughs> design mm. development, good looks, good do- design development. Uh, I forgot uh, the third one. Kim so blog. maybe I think like can like writer, writer, yeah. and then but also like. Compelling product and game developer. Guy. So, yeah. yeah. So he's got the execution. H O N D O. Look it up. It's great. I think I think it's a view based um, 
you know, it's one of those like it's all, all I did was wrap it in something and it's in the app store. So it's kind of proof positive that you can just make a website and submit it to the app store and it'll get in. Yeah, no, that's if, great. Uh, if you're careful enough, I can't sniff it out. Um, okay, what, what was I going to say? Oh, we have so we have we have a bunch of questions from people. Let's do a question first. Those are fun. Rocket. Oh, this is a this is a personal one for you anyway. Matt Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is that it's literally I'm Matt, says Batman. I'm Matt Batman. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking Sorry. about your bookshelf, which is yes. Um, how do you even link that up on your site anyway? How would somebody find your bookshelf? It's hard to find. I feel like you, you have, go to about and oh, then, about and then yeah, over to bookshelf. I, I this technically it could be its own root thing, but um, yeah, you know. Anyway, you're pretty good at documenting the the books that you read, at least some of them, and they all have images of the book itself uh, mm-hmm. on the bookshelf. Kind of kind of fun. I, I really know that you're not going to regret doing this. It's so cool having an archive of your things in your ratings and all this metadata and stuff. But anyway, that's not what uh, Batman is asking about here. He's asking about the the images specifically, as in like what do you uh, you know you can inspect and see that you you. You've chucked them in a in a S three bucket, but like I don't know, what's your story, man? How 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 did they get there? Do you automate it in some way? What's the uh, what's the deal? How do you deal with um, images on I this page? I'm stealing them from Amazon, <laughs> so uh, that's the secret. So if you go into Amazon, like it's it's like age old URL hacking. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, like every Amazon URL has a format uh, that you can follow. Let me pull up my site and this isn't out. even your S3 bucket. It's their S3 <laughs> it's bucket. It's literally theirs, uh, but it goes wow. to their site. So I think they're not super mad. They could cut me off and that'd be a pain in the butt. But uh, there's a few, like if that's not cool with you. So it's like images, dash na north america amazon ssl images.com images p and then there's like a nine digit code that's like their it's the ending half of their isbn 13 so it's isbn 13 oh, so is like, anybody could do this so you, you just have a format that you've somehow discovered here and you ch- chuck that in there and the book shows up okay. and then dot o one dot underscore S C L Z Z Z Z underscore J P G. Uh, it's that's rowdy. I think there's maybe a cleaner way, uh, but, but and you can like get different sized images as well, but that's kind of what I'm doing mm. to get the images. Um, there's this like is an, interesting, and you and, and, and one of the things you've done is just you've put a hard you just say with 180 height 270 on it because then you can say object fit contain and if if what comes back isn't in that exact aspect ratio it doesn't matter really it just gets centered in that space and for the most part it looks fine yeah that was kind of like the like it's a little tough with like variable height and like squares some books are squares um you know yeah. Dan Cedarholm's books have little like. Uh, like tails, you know, the little bookmark tail that in all his product photos. And so some of them are like from people's sites and stuff. And I kind of put them in a bucket of my own or whatever. But um, mm. a lot of them are really just like, like hot, hot linked. And I know, and that's like a double edged sword because I actually, I'm like, oh, I want to get this book cover like that, that I like or whatever. And, uh, they'll change it. Like all the Malcolm Gladwell's got redesigned, and and so it's not the cover I read, which doesn't matter. Ew. But it's now the cool new Malcolm Gladwell design. 
guess I don't super care. Yeah, so it's just weird for you to look at because you're like, it's just weird for me. I'm like, what book is that? You know, but it's like, whatever. Yeah. That's just what it was. Like, okay, I see. And these are so, these are really pretty tiny JPEGs. So I noticed you did no rigmarole around responsive images. No, I don't, look, I look, I'm not. I'm stealing the images. Uh, but They're no. 14 kilobytes each, already compressed to all get out, and you lazy load them. So and I lazy like. load them, and, and I just kind of like am really trying to like just basically just do it as simple as possible because if it's hard, I won't maintain it, you know? So right. that's sort of what I'm doing. I mean, I could probably in theory like get a Cloudinary or something and put it in front, but, um, you know, yeah. Like I see like one like whatever a book cover like fell off like i see a couple like missing so occasionally i have to like go through and update the image or whatever and yeah guess what it's not the end of the world i don't know no. stuff breaks on the that's internet. interesting it's kind of a good reminder that you don't always have to do everything because there's quite a big checklist of crap that you could do to have the most performant images possible and you um but maybe on this one page on a personal website for with tiny, already super compressed images, not so much. If you got a hero image, maybe that's something to talk about. But Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I might do, you know, and I think my strategy, like if it ever like went bad, you know, it's like I I pay a friend, you know, a hundred dollars to download these images and put them in a folder or something or I don't know. Right. You know, like uh, it, it's. Or I just do it on a lazy Tuesday evening or something like that's just if you switch to Astro or something at one point, that could be cool, too, because then that's kind of one of the, the I don't know, the benefits of using something like that is then when you just use their capital I image component, it just does a bunch of smart crap that it just you know, you, know, you don't have to think about anything generates versions, web P's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's this pretty simple, actually. It just does WebP, and uh, I think it just does a couple of other things. You know, make sure to put that, like, decoding attribute on it and stuff. But I'd say for your page, 95% of the value is loading lazy on it because it's, like, good. that's, like, a lot of savings, just that alone. Yeah, in, in the uh, ruthlessly eliminate nuance era... Uh, of your life. Lazy loading yeah. is like the best thing you can do. I mean, it's like if somebody ends up on this page, they didn't download 200 book covers. That's great. You know, like, or 2000, I don't know how many books I've read. A hundred, 300, let's say. Um, like you're only downloading the top 20, maybe at most, or 14 um, books. And so like, right. that's not like absurd you know you download more images than that in a day you know but but what's neat is like you as you scroll you're basically opting into more bandwidth usage that's how i see it so yeah and if it's a little slow that's a problem but the fact that it's just object fit in a box i don't get any kind of herc jerk you're not going to get any better squishing the crap out of these things anyway I don't think, you know, no. maybe someday, you know, cause what was interesting, it was Safari dropped JPEG XL, which was kind of cool because it's one of those, um, we thought we might lose that one. And there mm. seems to be quite a few benefits to that one. As one of them being that you don't have to like change the file extension. It's just JPEG still. You know? Yeah. So that would be an option, you know, like, yeah, but someday you'll just run that crap through a little JPEG XL machine. 
Yeah. And you'll just get a little bit of benefit for, for nothing. Like, you know, if you like resize my browser or your browser to like a mobile phone width, you'll see like my images, this, it's like goes into a table view, right? Not a grid view. And let's mm-hmm. see, that image is now 80 by 121, right? Uh, so it's, it's a third of the size. I could serve a smaller image here, but I, Dave Rupert, don't believe in 1X mobile. I don't think 1X mobile exists. I mean, it does in very limited constraints. I see. So it's probably 2X mobile, which puts it at 160, which is pretty much what it already is. 160, and I was sending a 200-width image anyway. So I'm fine. I'm not not crying (laughs) tears about it. And on mobile, you only get like four images, you know, because of the viewport height. So it's... And don't forget that. Uh, the, the, I, there's another thing to talk about here that I actually put on notes for our next show, but I'm going to yank it into this show because I think it's interesting. If you're saying I could serve a smaller image, well, there's some overhead with that. The only way that you'll that you'll actually succeed in serving that smaller image in those circumstances in which it made sense to is if you put a source set on there and, and actually produce and host the smaller versions of those files, say what they are, and then have a sizes attribute that allows the browser to do math to determine whether, when, and how to serve the, the smaller image. That overhead is a lot very, very, very especially how you've laid out this page in this fluid grid. It's going to make your sizes attribute damn near impossible to express because mm-hmm. sizes is just so weird and hard to do because it's based on the size of the viewport and and then how big the image is at that viewport size. Your, your sizes attribute is going to be about <laughs> 30K, I feel like, yeah, if well, code each. Because what I really need is a container attribute, you know, like uh, I need it container-based. Uh, yeah, not, that's true. Because um, it, it will like... There's about 20 or 100 pixels of flex between when it like pops in a new grid row or grid column. So, yeah. So it looks like and the reason I mentioned this isn't isn't to crap on sizes because I think the whole responsive images thing is interesting. But there's a there's two points. One of them is that if it's hard, people don't do it, which is I think interesting, right? Like not that's starting to prove itself out. We should have known that all along. But if you ask a lot of someone as far as it comes to writing very mm-hmm. specially crafted HTML markup, they just don't do it. So uh, that's just good to know. And more interestingly, and a wonderful twist to all this is that there is a, a GitHub thread, which of course we'll link to in the show notes on the, the WhatWGHTML forum about sizes equals auto. So follow that link if you haven't seen this. I, I assume you've seen this day. I think it was dropped in yeah, Discord. Yeah, I didn't understand how they do that. But maybe they just kind of find your breakpoints and then figure out how big the breakpoint is or it is. It only works It only works with loading lazy. Oh, nice. So it's, okay. it's relevant to you. The point is they don't know how big an image is going to uh, load ahead of time. Like if all you have is the HTML, they have no idea. That's what sizes is about. Yeah. It's trying to describe through only looking at HTML how big this image is going to render when it does render. It was a timing issue. That's why right. sizes exist. It's not a timing issue anymore if the image is already yeah. sitting on the page already rendered. Yeah. Sizes knows exactly how big that image is going to render in that browser. So if it's loading lazy, um, it just knows. 
It's got it a box. It has a box to fill. It knows how it knows how big that box is. Wow, that's cool. This is huge. Yeah. This is very good. So it looks like it's happening. So good. that's awesome. Like that was my I I was involved in the RICG a bit tangentially. Uh but mm-hmm. like as much as I do I appreciate the solutions. I don't use them. I I would only use them in a context like WordPress where it gives it f- to me for free, right? Like where it's free. Yeah, you want it automated. Uh, I, I'm maybe naive here, but I think there are much bigger gains with WebP and AVIF. Like if you're going to talk about like, where should I spend my dev credits? It's like, just cut a new image. Like uh, you're going to, AVIF is going to be a 20 kilobyte image and versus a 100 kilobyte JPEG, you know, now you could slice that for the mobile one and maybe get a two kilobyte AVIF and like do both operations. But like, like if you're talking about just like raw, make it fast, like just, I would just do AVIF. I think that it's a better format for that. So let you know. Let technology do technology, man. I, if you can, if you can help but us I, with that, I like the sizes auto. I, I like the idea. Like you can say size auto, and then hey, guess here's some source files. Figure out which one's cool. Like you know, or here's some, right. It means you can use source set source set without with, it. It almost should be the. It almost should be the the default. Like I shouldn't have to say sizes auto and I shouldn't ha- I mean I, I I've been making proclamations like this and regretting it recently yeah, so maybe, maybe I should weird. shut up a little bit <laughs> um, just like the, the the async thing I think you mentioned that recently like why do I have to say decoding async like just make that the default if that's so yeah, much better I do that and then I saw like Adi money like you know do fetch priority high if it's like a hero image you know and it's like what isn't lazy or loading eager the same or like how is that different I, I still don't fully understand but oh yeah loading eager that should do the same thing maybe that doesn't actually work and maybe you know it turns out there's reasons for all this which does kind of lead us into the to the to the corrections episode of this i think we got a little pushback on the like ah they should have just fixed vh units and i told you only use dvh i actually i'm not totally convinced you shouldn't there because i feel like the problems caused by you just using vh units alone are worse than what you know like vh units suck <laughs> they cause problems all yeah, the time yeah dvh is is better in that way do i think that they should have they should change the behavior of vh units to behave like dvh that's where i you know i was i should have been more tongue-in-cheek about that like no don't break the web i get it you can't just change the behavior of stuff as much as i like box sizing border box I don't think you should just change how the web works. It's going to break too much stuff. I like not breaking stuff. That's like one of the big things the web's got going right, for right. it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I And then I think the idea was like there's stuff sized in type, right? Like a lot of VW is in for like font size equals 5VW plus one rim. Calc. Right. But that the VW units don't need to change though. Those are fine. It's just VH that needs like to change. Like a side or a scroll bar popping in or becoming visible, like affect VW. Uh, like, I don't think it, it does. It doesn't, but would it in a DVW? I don't know. So anyway, 
I'm just trying to I don't think know of if like they'd what made a D V W. Yeah, but I, I know. Yeah, and then they. Yeah, the answer to that one was the scroll bar gutter stable, which yeah. is like kind of a good solution. I've I've reached for it two or three times since since learning about it. So I shouldn't crap on it. I'm just always a little. I, I thought it was going to be better somehow, but really it just leaves this white space on the right side of the. Uh, yeah. Of the thing that you can't really style, you can't or reach just, in there. Yeah. yeah, it makes the padding look uneven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not my it's not my favorite. Although it does what it says on the box. There are places where I it's like I know ninety percent of the time there's going to be a scroll bar here. So why not? I should just own that debt, you know? <laughs> or I right. should I should zone. It's like zoning <laughs> in a city planner, right? It's like I'm just going to zone this for scroll bar. So it's. Uh, this is right away. Right. No public I mean, it's use. It's only the times yeah. when sometimes there's a scroll bar and sometimes there's not within one user session. Mm-hmm. Like if it's sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not based on content, but it never changes, then who cares? Mm-hmm. But it's like, will the user resize something or add more content to their own or something? And then that's what triggers the shift. That's what's that's annoying. That's where it gets weird, yeah. So it's a little, it's a little niche, niche, should we say. And then I think we had it wrong on tracking eyeballs. Uh, Jen was very much like, you can't do that. And I think if I'm understanding it right, it's almost like a stylus or something. Like your eyeballs are will act like a stylus. <laughs> this is my own analogy that's going to be wrong. We're going to get corrected down again. yeah. But your eyeballs are like a stylus hovering, and then when you click your fingers, you do the pinch gesture. That that's that's a click, right? And so and then so it's basically like tapping your stylus on the screen, and WebKit doesn't know where you're looking or doesn't inform the browser where you're looking and um, or hovering your stylus. And then, um, but one thing it does do. And this was in the videos. And I think this is where I got confused because I watched this video and it is not a hover effect, but it will like add a shimmer effect to the thing, to interactive elements that you're looking at. So buttons, links. uh, I see, but it doesn't report that to the website. So it would have no idea. But if you could know that you're in the visor and that somebody tapped on a thing, you could say, oh, that was a look inspired tap. The question is, will there be a user agent that is unique to the device? And if there's not, that's pretty, it's pretty baller. Yeah, no, there may not. Yeah. Be. And that's, that is some, a question I asked and have not heard back, you know, is, is the user agent detectable? And if, I hope not. Don't you? And if it, and if it is available, then Apple should hire me to, <laughs> to be their bad idea monster. But, uh, <laughs> because I will, uh, Whatever, implement user tracking. But no, um, I, I yeah, I, I hope not. I hope it's just like Safari, Mac OS 10 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It might actually cause less problems. I would assume it wouldn't if they just didn't have a unique UA. But when aren't there situations you really don't where want you people... want to like, you know, uh, give bespoke experiences to the Visor website? You know, I'm sure people yeah, are going to ask Maybe there's a way to do that that's not UA. More maybe it's a, a client hint or something. are detected or something or something like that. But Yeah, well, you know, it opens the same kind of doors, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. So, anyway. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by Notion. That's notion.com slash shop talk. 
Use that URL, of course, notion.com slash shop talk. Today, I'm excited to share that they just launched Notion Projects, which includes new powerful ways to manage projects and leverage the power of their built-in AI features too. Notion Projects combines project management with your docs, your knowledge base, and AI so you can stop jumping between tools and stop paying too much for those tools too. Notion is so great. You know, I wanted to mention one tiny little thing that I just love about Notion. It's a small feature, but I wonder if it will be compelling to you too is that it's like this block-based editor, right? So you write a paragraph or put an image there or a block of code or some bullet lists or a toggleable element. You know, the way that the things that you build these documents from is very loose and powerful and you can kind of do whatever you want in there. But like a paragraph, for example, turns out to be a block. So you can kind of copy and paste it around or just drag it around and stuff. It's a nice way to build documents. But let's say you have one and you're like, ooh, this is a, actually some good insight from say a meeting document, which is one of the ways I use Notion. You can copy it and then you go over to like, oh, I'm gonna do a project management card and we were talking about this problem, so it's become now a card that you're going to manage, and I'm going to paste that paragraph because it was insightful and useful to this task. You can paste or you can paste and sync, which means that the meeting notes and that thing, it's kind of like the same block. They stay in sync with each other, which is just so clever. I just love that feature. Not if you update one, it updates the other one too so that you don't get this like information drift. It's such a nice thing. And while you're managing projects, of course, if you need to like get a little Kickstarter and you're thinking about that task, use their IEI tools and prompt them to fill out some stuff in there. It can really help your brain get going. So nice. Again, that's notion.com slash shop talk. Use that URL, notion.com slash shop talk. Uh, here's a more simple one. George uh, Pignon, Pignon uh, wants to know, what's the best modern way to, uh, to load JavaScript after the document is loaded? Most of us, me included, work mostly in the world of frameworks and Webpack. Um, I guess he's kind of saying, if you do that, then that framework is probably just doing it the best possible way or the way that it needs to do it. So you don't have to think about it, which is questionable, but I get the I get the point. Like I don't think about how Next.js is loading its JavaScript. I assume it's just doing the right thing. Uh, but he's saying that, you know, what about just plain old websites? Uh, I've always heard just put the JavaScript at the bottom of the body, but does the defer attribute let you put it anywhere now, including the head? Also, if defer is indeed the way to go, I find it unbelievable that WordPress's in queue function doesn't support that. A little research suggests that you need to write a custom PHP function just to add the defer to the script tag that gets in queued. I think that's all sounds about right, George. Um, I the WordPress in queue function allows you to put it in the footer instead of the head and putting a script at the bottom of the body is just as good as putting defer on it. You need the defer attribute if you're going to put it anywhere else. Uh, like in the head or whatever, it makes it it makes it literally defer. But if it's already at the bottom of the body, the the defer attribute, I believe, isn't helping. Doesn't do anything extra for you. It's already been deferred because it's at the bottom. So yeah, I, I think this had kind of come up. But is there an issue with like async and defer? I feel like there was like Perf Planet or somebody had something on this like 
the best way. Yeah, they're different things because one of them, it's about when does it load versus when, when does it execute. And I think defer is both. It says don't even load this until the end and execute it later, whereas async is like load it now, execute it later. Uh, which is smart that they did them both separately. Defer is a little bit more powerful, I think. Yeah. And it's like really, really just don't prioritize this. Yeah, defer seems to, so like defer, um, this is MDN. The Boolean attribute is set to indicate to a browser that the script is meant to be executed after the document has been parsed, but before firing DOM content loaded. So really, um, so the document will get parsed, but it and it's about to say, "Hey, I'm done. Content loaded." But then it's going to do your deferred stuff first. So you still, even if you defer a script, you still have to write a little wait till DOM content loaded crap inside I think of it. You would. Well, that's, so that's a little surprising. With actually, the defer attribute will prevent DOM content loaded from firing until the script has loaded and finished evaluating. Based on that reading alone, I think, you know, I think you could put it up there, but I would still probably just put it in the footer. But then, you know, it's going to, the footer's going to block DOM content loaded as well. Um, Maybe it's no different. (laughs) I know we're just talking about some website where you're trying to load a little, a little, little squishy bit of handcrafted JavaScript, probably Uh, just loading it in the the footer is fine. I I don't know that I would overthink this to death. Yeah. Harry Roberts has a really good talk uh, right now and I probably should have watched this uh, when I saw that come in, but uh, get your head straight. Um, And he kind of points out like there's a lot of like, um, you know, tricks, I guess, for scripts and stuff like that. Uh, and like he, he does this talk and he basically shaves seven seconds off the loading of a website just by organizing stuff in the head of his document. Um, and I, I forget where he was at on this whole, um, like uh, this, this whole thing of like adding, um, the optimal order or, or like, what what defer stuff happens and when that should happen in the thing, but um, but it's a pretty compelling talk and it's really just like like nitty gritty going line by line of a head and fixing it, you know. So um, yeah. So anyway, I can link that up in the show notes. But I w- I'm trying to find the part where he talks about script defer and uh, let's see. I'm almost there. It's interesting. There's an optimal order at all. I mean, you know, obviously, there's nobody I trust more than Harry to to know what's up with all that stuff. But it, it makes me think that, like, isn't there a, is occasions where I don't want the optimal because I want some other side effect behavior? That like, or is that short sighted or stupid in some way? Or because you know, I used to think of like if you load a like a jQuery script at the bottom, then I didn't have to do the DOM content loaded trick because the div has already been loaded because where the script is lower than that div. Remember, you always have to like, but if you were to load scripts in the head of jQuery, you always had to like wait for DOM content loaded. Otherwise, it's it's little query selector wouldn't be able to find the div that you're looking for. Right. I'm just saying div, meaning any Any element element, that it's looking for, you know? And yeah, you're right. So like, (laughs) 
I don't know. You, you'd almost it was almost like cool side effect behavior to load it at the bottom because then I didn't have to do that. Or, but likewise, you might load something in the head, which is not optimal for performance, but I'm doing it on purpose because of some other reason. Maybe it's an analytics thing that I want to be absolutely sure loads as soon as possible. So it's a performance hit, but with a side effect that I want. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's short-sighted. Uh, good luck, George. I know we like to give nuanced answers with... Uh, but if we're going to ruthlessly eliminate nuance here, just put your scripts in here's, the footer. Here's what uh, here's what Harry's saying: using async and defer is redundant and anti-pattern user even. So flag that. And then let's see what else. I'm trying to get all his defer knowledge. Uh, you can't use defer on inline scripts. Uh, and then yeah. So I guess I guess Harry's like cool with. Uh, it had defer, uh, yeah, script defer. So go for it, do it. I'm gonna say do it. Yeah, but if you're in WordPress, there's no way to do it unless you unless you hack into the what does WordPress call the hooks? You got to write a hook that WP takes WP and Q scripts. Or yeah, but even that yeah. doesn't have an option to put defer on the script. So you either need to put it down in the footer because that's just a boolean that's part of that method, or you need to use the the hook to change the script output to add the defer tags. I think it's easier just to put it in the footer. Yeah. There you go. Um, you know what Melanie brought up in the the Discord the other day about about view transitions. We've been bringing that them up um, here and there. It's I always I found it interesting. You know, I, I'm back from Render a couple weeks now. A lovely conference down in Atlanta there, and I put view transition stuff in there. They're, it's perfect thing for a conference talk right now because they're very wow inspiring. Mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they showed up a bunch at CSS Day too. I was very jealous of all the people that were at that, that conference. Cool. Looked really cool. Yeah, I looked. I saw Adam posted a like a, a really fast. Uh, he made his slides using view transitions and then just like pressed the forward key really fast, and you could see him all the view transitions go really really fast through his slide. It was so cool looking. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's but the, one of the ways that I feel like you always have to. Uh, present view transition is that there's two kinds. There's the on-page kind and the multi-page kind, mm -hmm. or the page transitions versus state transitions. I get even the name of it to me is very like how, how do you refer to them properly? But hopefully you know what I mean. One of them is a JavaScript API that just moves stuff on the same page, and one of them is that happens when you leave the page and another page loads. They're both really cool. They just happen to be under the same banner called view transitions, but they're super different. And and Melanie was like, oh, I just saw like a super inaccessible view transitions demo. And there's a few people that responded like, like how is that po possible even? Like, isn't it just like something that progressively enhances like you click it and you loads the next page like i didn't even know there's an opportunity to make a view transition inaccessible but that's not what she's referring to she's referring to the same page transitions and i found that interesting because i thought if it's a same page transition by definition some state is changing on that page because otherwise the view transition is irrelevant. So something has to be changing, it's moving around in some way. And then by definition, you have to deal with accessibility in some way. So it was so interesting to me that there's these two types of view transitions. First, you need to understand them and then need to know that on one hand, accessibility just isn't involved at all hardly because a new page is loading and that's just 
that's just the way the web normally works. There's like almost no accessibility implications. And then the state transitions way, which is inherently needs to be dealt with from accessibility. They're just very extreme on both sides. Yeah. I Uh, mean, I think that's the, you know, I think it's A, stuff people don't know, myself included. I don't know the right thing every time, even though I do this stuff. And I'm interim uh, maintainer of the accessibility project again. Like, I think like it is a... It's hard sometimes, and I think like there are, um, you know, if you you hit a view transition and all of a sudden that element you are clicking on is now at the top of the page or something, like, you know, is it is the violation like a focus violation? Is the violation like a, um, or did the browser sort that out? I don't know. Uh, or did, is it a, um, you know, a, a vomit like a motion if error like is it making people vomit um you know you gotta be careful with that stuff so um yeah i I think true yeah 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 the um yeah anyway uh, i i now i feel bad that i said there's no accessibility implications because of course there are like if you make something too fast or if it moves at all and some that is there's not like there's there's none yeah like tyler Uh, gaw has this really good uh he started playing with transitions and he put some on his site if you i'll put a link in the show notes um uh um and it's what's cool about it is um he has like if you go to the last video on his little post about it like there are some radical like transitions i mean stuff is just exploding and swooping and blooping and and like he's done very little code to make that happen and that's what's very cool you know um yeah right. I, I think like i don't i haven't looked at the code but i i hope or assume like there's some uh like reduce prefers reduced motion you know that's one thing right but but beyond that it's like you know there there's so many things it's like you can opacity fading is generally kind of okay, you know, but it, it, but at some point you maybe just need to because it's not movement really. Yeah, it's, it's not just movement. Staying in it's place. just staying in place. And then some people would argue like there's some cognitive benefits by elements kind of, um, you know, if morphing from like if your logo is in the middle and then you click a page and then the logo goes to the top, you might be like, okay, that's a way to get back to that page. Um, but you know, Mm, is it that object permanence concept? Yeah. The object permanence. So there's like cognitive stuff that might be good. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I think, I I think it's going to be a thing where we overdo it a lot and then we have to figure out how to taper it back. That's kind of my general thought on yeah, yeah. I see Tyler's last example is very, very extreme in that way. Just everything is enormous. Yeah, I, I can't shake from my head the fact that on desktop, the opportunity for it being overwhelming is just way higher. There's just way more. There's just more pixels to be <laughs> moving around. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's like a a it's like a the browser width is really like the the nausea meter. I don't know. It's like how the bigger it is, the movement is, the more you're like, wow, that's a lot, you know? So Truly. Um, yeah. It's like moving something a thousand pixels is always just going to be, it's going to feel overwhelming. I wonder if there's some kind of metric we could put on it. Like if you're going to suggest that something is 
is coming in or coming out, like rely on opacity a little more than you'd want. Like keep it under 50 pixels or something, mm -hmm. but use a little opacity instead. So things aren't just absolutely <laughs> flying. Yeah. Well, we have, a, yeah. I just coded up a view and it's like a drill down, like go into a details view, you know, like you click a Sure. And I, I, I wish these existed because it would be very cool to be like, Hey, browser, just give me a little slidey transition so that people know this is like a drill down, you know, like um, that would be cool to me, but uh, we don't have it quite yet. You know, I guess I could code it and then it might show up one day, but um, I was just kind of like, man, it would be very cool if this existed. So, um, Well, some of the news this week was um, around everybody's favorite website, Reddit, and the, the drama being that they're charging now for what used to be a free API and to now a prohibitively by all expensive. accounts very expensive yeah. API and that that prices out all kinds of, of third-party usage for Reddit, including my own beloved Reddit client, Apollo. I don't need to, I don't know that we need to dwell on it. The point is it's, it's interesting to talk about um, API pricing and stuff. I think you've always fallen into the bucket of like, you should probably charge for APIs. So it's, that's, that's tricky, but it doesn't mean you're on Reddit side necessarily. Yeah, I'm on the like, like you should pay, but almost just in the like, but I, not in the millions of dollars, like they're requesting in the like hundreds of dollars or something range, you know, just like, um, cause it, you know, if you're building a business off of somebody else's data, you like there should probably, I don't know, I'm just thinking like there should be some sort of sleight of hand <laughs> or some exchange of money, quid pro quo, maybe, I don't know, that happens to make that, to grease those wheels and make sure that the API right. is always there. It's always staffed. It's always, you know, like a dedicated resource, like that's stuff I care about, you know? So like... I, I'm depending on a few APIs out and I'm just hoping out of the goodness of their heart, they're going to keep them open, you know, and like, yeah, there's no promises. You didn't sign anything. Yeah. Yeah. I worry about companies like not worry because it's, but relatively new uh, mime stream didn't drop because it's been in beta forever, but uh, it got some press. It's a, it's a Gmail client for, for Mac, but it's, looks a lot like Apple Mail, but instead of Apple Mail, just using IMAP and being kind of not a particularly first-class client for Gmail, MimeStream is a Gmail-specific email client mm. for the Mac. I've been using it and liking it. But of course, they are 100% at the whim of Google's free Gmail APIs, you know? Should they up and close that, then they're just done as a business. I don't think I got the guts for it yeah. in my old well, age, like, Dave. <laughs> I can like do it. Rate limiting is kind of one thing APIs do to keep it like manageable. <clears throat> and I'm into that as well. But like, I, I just, I'm trying to think of like a good example, like Dribble, right? I built a couple of things with like Dribble data. I think I probably scraped it or RSS did or something like that. But Dribble, I think, had an API at one point. Maybe they shuttered it. You know, I like Dribble. I'm using their data to, swoop up some images like shouldn't they should get a cut of that it's their data you know like i guess i'm growing their ecosystem and building on their platform now it's a platform so like that's a big deal but um just seemed to me like pay pay to play i guess i don't know 
Or maybe like you need a paid user account to get access to the API account or something. Like even something as simple as that, right? Like, I don't know, that might have solved tw- Twitter's problems. Right. It limits bad behavior so well, too. It's just they're trying to use it as like a, we're not profitable, so this is going to be how we make profit. Well, and, and that nobody's willing to pay your prices? Well, that's not the way then. No. It's just as, why? It's that they're doing, I think, the like ad play, right? Like that. Twitter kind of did with with um. Uh, oh, they don't want third party clients because them. there's more ads. No, otherwise yeah. they'd price it to like let it. They they're there's they see it as a threat and it is siphoning money and ad revenue off their system. So, I I'm assuming I, I mean like that seems like the only logical play for me. So you know sometimes when this stuff happens, there's people that go ah screw you I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, it, some, it, and sometimes they're serious, and sometimes they're not. You know, I, I I hesitate to make proclamations like of that sort, but it was very easy for me to to, to make it. Uh, it's almost like I could do it without having to make it on 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 Reddit because I I just have no, like I just like Reddit as the most casual user ever. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and, and and but still a daily user. You know, I had Apollo on my phone, and over the years, I crafted my little subreddits that I enjoy the most. A little bit of technology, but not very much, because I don't feel like it's that good for talking about tech, really. Yeah. So it was mostly like kids falling over and magic tricks and cool tattoos yeah. and, you know, stuff like that, you know? So then I'd open it up, and it would just be like my little newspaper of funny, funny stuff, sometimes insightful. Maybe a link here and there that I would save if it was interesting, you to write about or something not that much so okay oh oh there's big problems oh apollo's going away i just delete it it's just gone i just whoosh from my life you know it just doesn't matter to me but that but i would think way more people feel that way about twitter than feel that way about reddit i bet people like reddit jenner it's more a part of their thing because so many people on twitter just they just log in to like see what tom brady tweeted or something Mm. And 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 it's so easy for them to just delete Twitter because they're like, oh, who cares? What a stupid app, you know. But I'm exactly the opposite. It was very easy for me to leave Reddit, but I've struggled to to leave Twitter. You know? For me, it was like Twitter it was very chaotic, you know, with its new um, C uh, what you would call it CTO or CEO uh, owner. And so I just, I don't need more chaos in my life. So I just said, no, <laughs> like I'm, yeah. you know, I'm posting there a little bit here and there, but it's, you know, keeping it very minimal. Um, I have a blue sky invite that is also uh, very chaotic for me. So I'm kind of like not there that much or interacting much, but. Um, oh, I tried, I tried. I'm in there too. Um, no, no hate on it. It's kind of kind of neat although i do find that jack dude just as weird as any any other of these crazy silicon valley people i know he's not really the i don't know how much he drives the ship or anything but he was definitely involved right I yeah i don't know much beyond funding you know but i think it's like a uh yeah for me the the feature like where you see everybody's replies you know that that's like so hard for me it's like i'm getting looped into conversations i have no reason or no desire to be in and so that's that's like the hard part for me is like hey i uh i do not need to see you reply to this person you know guy from yeah, college just in the regular you know? feed so 
Yeah, so that's that's where it breaks for me. But anyway, it know. seems to mostly be just jokes and goofs, poop posting. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is at the at the moment. I mean, in my little yeah. circles or whatever. I don't know if I made the mistake or whatever, but I kind of just you know I don't know, follow the same old people I follow everywhere else. Which maybe that wasn't the right way to go, but I, I get, turns out I don't really regret that because I'm like I don't <laughs> I don't know who else I would follow it's not like i'm gonna reinvent my yeah, life these are my online friends i'm gonna follow them but but it is like okay now i see you in triplicate so there we go i guess right if you're cross-posting but the tools to do that aren't super great yet and and then do you, I, I feel like should i be cross-posting more even if i cross-post to two places i feel a little weird about it but i'm like i don't know give me my likes you know i don't know what's gonna t- 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 resonate the best somewhere now my blog only publishes to Mastodon and uh, just by virtue of there happening to be a pretty good WordPress plugin that would do that for mm-hmm. me. But those, but now that that's broken on Twitter because whatever their API sucks or it doesn't exist now or whatever it does. And it, Blue Sky is so new that I don't expect people to be building a lots of stuff for it just yet. It's such a weird time. I did put that in our notes because I'm kind of like, what if like... It, is that a way that you could approach this is just be like, you know what? I'm just going to pick one and I'm going to put all my time and effort into that one. Or is that not the way to go right now? And we should we should all be keeping our toes in all these different ones just to kind of see who. Yeah, I don't know. I'm see sure which there's one a strategy, win. right? Like be the king of <laughs> one domain or what, you know, like go all in like. But. I wonder yeah. how that, uh, like, like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube shorts, like, you know, like, I'm sure there's some advice there on which one you need to do first and sink all your bucks into, you know? So it's just, it's just, anyway, it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know. That's uh, weird, right? Like, it's just weird that followers and growth even yeah if that sounds tiring to you maybe you shouldn't be in the business at all it sounds tiring to me but i would think that maybe the people that are excited by that are the people that should be doing it yeah. you know well, the irony is like getting on blue sky for me is actually like it's kind of ruined social media entirely not it's not blue sky's fault it's just like this i'm just tired of checking feeds and seeing the same people tell the same joke you know in three different platforms yeah I, it's okay, but man, I'm tired. I'm I'm white. I'm wiped out, and I'm doing it too. So I can't even fault anybody. So but maybe for you, it should you should just pick the pick the one and I, and just be willing to be totally absent from a yeah, and just just industry. trust. Uh, what is it? Not a good good stuff gets amplified or will cross platforms. You know, so that that's kind of my hope. Um, with a lot of my- mm, is there an official term for that? I, I do kind of like that, right? Like when there's somebody, you know, if, if some big news event happens, it's a little unclear how you exactly find out, but you like almost for sure will. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the ubiquity, um, something, I don't know. So that, that's, I don't know. I'm having really excellent experiences on Mastodon, really fun engagement, like people starting conversations and stuff. So I'm like, kind of like, kind of there for right now still. So I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at. So, yeah. Okay. Pretty good. Pretty good. There's a lot. I could probably, I should probably, 
I don't know. I should probably blog, but there's a lot of things I do like about it. It is a little bit like an HOA. Like you moved in and like there's rules and stuff to the neighborhood and that's kind of sucks. And like you have to like apply to get in. That sucks. But result is it's a lot. It's it's more of a, I don't know, a controlled atmosphere and and less less about seizing the chaos emerald, which I think is what all the other places are about. So, uh, all right. Well, fantastic. Good to talk to you, Mr. Dave. Maybe we'll save. I think we have one more question. We'll just do it next week, I think, on the we'll show. Do it next week. I thank you, dear listener, for downloading this and your package of choice. Be sure to start right. Figure it up. That's how people find out about the show. If you get a bad haircut, send it over to Shop Talk Show on one uh, of the social medias. We'd appreciate it. And join us in the Discord to find out all about the latest haircut breaking news. And Chris, you got anything? else you'd like to see not really shoptalkshow.com